With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hall of Fame coaches, national champions, lottery picks, the best minds in basketball. Welcome into the sidelines with Evan Daniels. What's up, college basketball fans? Welcome back into the Sidelines Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Daniels, college basketball insider over at FS1, as well as the director of basketball recruiting at 24-7 Sports. Today's episode is a 65th episode of the Sidelines Podcast, and I'm going to bring on a pair of featured guests. We're going to start with new Pittsburgh head coach Jeff Capel, and we broke down why Pittsburgh was the right job for him, how he's plans to go about rebranding the program, and what makes Coach K such a good coach. Then I'm going to bring on new FGCU head coach Michael Fly, and we discussed him taking over the program, his mentors in the business, and then a personal note between uh, Mr. Fly and I. Before we get to those interviews, I want to make sure that you are subscribed to the Sidelines with Evan Daniels podcast. The best way for you to do that is to shoot over to Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. Hit the subscribe button for me, but also it would be very helpful and you could really support support the podcast by leave a rating and a review. Without further ado, I want to jump to that first interview with new Pittsburgh head coach, Jeff Capel. It's time to go man-to-man with Evan Daniels. Send it in, big fella. Now let's welcome in new Pittsburgh head coach, Jeff Capel, to the Sidelines podcast. Jeff, uh, welcome to the show. How, uh, how are things? Evan, what's going on, man? Things are going uh, very busy, as you can imagine, taking over a new job, but uh, getting acclimated, getting situated, and, and trying to figure everything out. You know, you, you said taking over a new job on March 27th. You agreed to become the next head coach at Pittsburgh. Uh, what have these last two weeks been like for you? Very busy, uh, exciting, uh, <laughs> nerve-wracking. I mean, just kind of going through all the – the different emotions. Um, you know, when you take over a job, I look, all these jobs are hard. doesn't matter where it is you go. Uh, if you're fortunate enough to become a head coach, it's, you know, they're all hard. When you get there, you know, there's excitement the first day because of the press conference and you're meeting all these people and, and the newness of everything and things like that. But then the next day comes the next morning and you got to roll up your sleeves and you start to figure out, what it is you're working with, what you need, what you want to change, what you want to keep. You know, st- I mean, it's all these things that you're trying to figure out and trying to determine uh, to make your program, you know, the best that it possibly can be and do it the way that you want it. And so that's what it's been. It's been a, it's been an accumulation of all those things every day. Uh, but it's been very exciting. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's certainly a challenge, but uh, it's, it's something I look forward to. Now, this is the third time that you've taken over a, a program. Did the experience from taking over uh, two other programs, did that help you in this process? I think it helped. I think more so the Oklahoma experience, uh, you know, my second, because when I took over VCU, I, I had the luxury of being there for a year. And so that was a little bit different. Uh, look, I was really young. I was 27. 
I'd only been an assistant for two years, but I didn't have to learn as much about the program or about the players right away because I knew them. Uh, I knew everyone. I, I was I was there for a year, so you already had these relationships. Uh, I think Oklahoma more so just because that was new, just like this is new. Um, you know, this situation, you know, I'm coming to a program. Like, I didn't know these players. I mean, I, I knew them coaching against them, but I didn't, I didn't know them. I did not have any prior relationship with them, and they didn't know me. And so that's new. There, there was one person here at Pitt uh, that works here that I had a relationship with. It's, it's a guy that was at Duke, I think, my first four years he was there. And so that's been incredibly helpful for me. Uh, but just, you know, it, it's so many people you're trying to get to know and trying to feel and trying to get a trying to get a feel for the program and, and what needs to change, what are some good things. Uh, most coaches, when you go in, you kind of want to do things differently, want to do things your way. Um, and then, but I think the relationship with the players and getting to know them, that's been uh, the biggest thing. In the time frame from accepting the job to now, what, what were kind of the most uh, important things that you wanted to accomplish in that, those first few days on the job? Really, Evan, it was all about trying to get to know the players and trying to get them to know me, to trying to you know, get a relationship. Uh, you know, these guys had a rough year. You know, they, they, they had a very tough year in the conference. And then uh, right after the season was over with, they, you know, there's a coaching change. And so initially, right away, I think nine of them uh, asked for their release. So they had options to try to figure out what they were going to do. I think it was 18 days, uh, you know, from the coaching change to me getting hired. And so that's a long time. I mean, it's almost three weeks where they didn't know what there was uncertainty and when there's uncertainty with young people especially in what we do in our profession that that can lead to a lot of different things um and so when i was hired the first you know two three days it was all spent mainly you know trying to get to know them trying to get them to know me uh meetings individually collectively as a group doing things together uh just just trying to establish a relationship with them um, where it, it hopefully leads to guys wanting to come back. You mentioned kind of the, the all the guys asking for, for transfers. H- how do you go about kind of re-recruiting them? What was your approach to it, and where do things kind of stand with it all? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's trying to get to know them, to talk about, you know, the, you know, their vision, what they would like to accomplish individually, what – what do they think about last year? You know, what do they think going forward? Uh, where are they right now as far as, you know, are you still open? Is is Pitt, a, is Pitt still an option? You know, just, just trying to figure all those things out, talking to them about my vision for our program, my vision for them, you know, individually and how that fits in, you know, to the collective, you know, of what we're going to do and what we want to try to do. Um, you know, it's it's trying to do things together as a team so they can get a feel for how I am on the court, for how I am away from the court. Um, you know, we've had, I think, four guys have said that they're going to stay, um, which is really good. We had one guy that said that he's going to leave, um, and that was disappointing. And then we have four guys left that are kind of still weighing their options. You know, I – 
I'd rather it be sooner than later, just so we know, because that affects what we do recruiting. Right. Um, you know, I haven't been able, I mean, I've been out recruiting and we've been involved with some guys even for next year, but it's, it's slowed down the process of making some of those decisions because I'm still trying to figure out what these guys are going to do. And so it's, uh, it's, 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 it's a challenging task. Again, I feel for those guys, uh, you know, for what they've gone through, but I hope that the time that, you know, I've spent with them they've spent with me one of the great things i mean look every we've had four workouts now that i've been able to get on the court with them and everyone has been there all the guys that are definitely coming back with even the guys that are still not sure yet they've been at every workout they've worked hard you know i I think they like some of the things that we're doing and it's kind of a brief glimpse of 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 how we would play you know for me it's hard to figure out how we're going to play because i don't know who i have yet i don't know my roster right uh, but but that's where we are, and, and hopefully we can get some answers soon on some of these other guys. You mentioned sharing your vision uh, to, to those guys. Well, what is your vision for Pittsburgh basketball? You know, this program has been one of the really good programs uh, in the country uh, consistently, you know, from a, a, a 12, 15-year period. If you look, you know, d- during the time that Ben Howland was here and then during the time that Jamie Dixon was here. Even before that, they've been really good coaches. Uh, you know, Paul Evans, Ralph Willett was here. You know, those guys did you know really good jobs, really good teams. We want to get it back where we're consistently, you know, one of the one of the better teams, where we're consistently a postseason team, um, and then put together teams where we can make a run at the Final Four, where we have a chance to win a national championship. I think that can be done here. Um, you know, we have facilities. We have a commitment to men's basketball here. We have incredible resources. We're part of a great university. Uh, academically, it's one of the best research universities in the country. It's a great city, and it's a even better sports city. Uh, you know, we have three major sports here with the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Pittsburgh Pirates, and the, and the Pittsburgh Penguins. The only thing we don't have is, is professional basketball. And so our basketball program, especially when we've been good, has been the show as far as basketball is concerned. You know, the Oakland Zoo was one of the toughest places to play. It was one of the best home court advantages in all of college basketball. We need to reestablish that. And I look forward to doing that and, and, and getting guys in here that want to be a part of that, uh, that, that, that want to be a part of this community, you know, the city and the university community. The, the the brand in terms of Pittsburgh basketball because of the last two seasons is, is somewhat damaged. How do you go about rebranding it? And is that just as simple as getting in good players and winning? Well, I, I think it's a lot of things. I think it's a lot of things that go into that. You know, I, one of the things I've talked to our guys here consistently about since I've been here is that, look, we can't do anything about the past. And I don't I don't really want to talk about it that much. Let's talk about the present and let's talk about where we're going. And you know, we, we, we need to be engaged in the community. We need to be engaged in the university community. We need to be a part of it. We, we want everyone to understand that we need everyone. Like, this is our program. This is not just mine or the guys that are in it. This is ours. And normally when you own something, that you, you, you have greater value. You, you, you care about it a little bit more. You take care of it. And we need to do that collectively. You know, the players, the coaches, anyone that I hire, anyone that touches and is involved in our program, we all need to own it. 
and we all need to understand that we need everyone. And so it's 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 reengaging that way. It's it's getting out in the community. Obviously, having good teams, winning does that. People want to be a part of that. But as we rebuild this thing, as we you know rebrand this thing, um, the thing we have to understand is that we need everyone, and we have to be a part of it as well. Now you've been at you're, you were at Duke for, uh, since 2011, and and you've had other opportunities to be a, a head coach, most notably Arizona State, but there was others. What made Pittsburgh the right one for you and your family, and and why now? Yeah, you know it's a great question. Um, you know I've I've always had the desire to be a head coach again, uh, but I was in such a great position at Duke. I had a great job. I think one of the best jobs uh, in all of basketball. I, I was next to. I think the greatest coach ever, and I got to be with him every day and learn and listen and watch and observe and ask questions um, and kind of soak in all of that wisdom uh, and all of that knowledge. I had a lot of freedom within the program there at Duke as far as practices, game planning, recruiting, uh, decision-making, and things like that. Um, and you know, it, it, it was home. It's where I went to school. It's my, my, my parents, you know, an hour and 15 minutes away. My wife went to Duke. She's, her parents are 25 minutes away. And so you had all of those things. And so, you know, for, for me and for us, my wife and I and our family, it was going to take the right situation, the perfect situation. And when this opportunity presented itself, obviously I knew about the tradition of Pitt. Um, I knew that they've had really good teams. I knew they've had really good players and really good coaches. I knew about the Oakland Zoo and the home court advantage and the atmosphere. Obviously, I knew a little bit about the city of Pittsburgh. I didn't know a lot, but I knew a little bit because I, I'm a huge Steelers fan. Um, as I started to study it a little bit more, I didn't realize how good of a school it is. That was something I didn't know. And that was very intriguing to me. I didn't know that it was one of the best resources. I didn't know the resources, you know, that, 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 that were here. Obviously, I knew that the Pete, where we play, is a great arena. But I didn't know all the resources that we had. And I think the thing, Evan, that really took it over the top was when I met with our AD, Heather Like, and then our Chancellor, uh, Chancellor Gallagher. That was kind of what separated it. One of the things I talked, you know, I would say to my wife, um, you know, after coming back to Duke, is that when, when, whenever I become a head coach again, I, probably the thing I'm going to look for more than anything is a place where I feel like I can have a great relationship with the athletic director. Watching Coach K and Kevin White at Duke really opened my eyes to how important that is and, and the communication between the two. And I just felt the connection with them right away. First and foremost, they let it be known that they wanted me. And that was very important. Um, and they were committed to doing this thing and doing it the right way. And they understand that it's going to take time. And, you know, so we were just on the same page with so many things. And, and then I learned about, you know, the sports city here and how great it is and how great the city is. And so it was just a, really a no-brainer at the end of the day uh, once they offered me the job. Now, this is your third time, as I mentioned earlier, being a Division One head basketball coach. Have you thought about what you want to do differently at Pitt compared to maybe how you ran your programs at VCU in Oklahoma? Yeah, you know, I, th I think I'm wiser now. I, I can tell you, you know, when I took over at VCU, I didn't really know what I was doing. <laughs> I mean, I was 27. <laughs> I'd only been an assistant for two years. I'd never been out on the road recruiting. 
And so I learned a lot about coaching just on the job there, and I thought we did a good job there. The thing that I was most proud of during my four years as the head coach at VCU is that I, I felt like we changed the culture, and that was one of the main goals was changing the culture. At the time when I took the job, I, I said in the press conference, I thought that we could and we should be the city of Richmond's team. And I thought we became that, and I think it's become that even more now since I've left. And so I was very proud of that. I was incredibly naive when I went to Oklahoma. You know, there was so much that I didn't know. First and foremost, I was going to a completely different part of the country that I knew nothing about. Um, That was the one thing. The second thing, going from a mid-major to high-major, I didn't really – understand how different that would be and how different the recruiting would be and all that's involved in recruiting a different level of player and all the people that are involved. And so I was very naive there. At both places, Evan, I I was probably, not probably, I was very naive and didn't understand the importance of staff. And not that I had bad staffs, but just how important it is. I mean, at 27, you you think you can take on the world and you can do everything yourself, and you have all this energy. And, again, I was in my wheelhouse. I was in Virginia, North Carolina, right. You know that area where it was very comfortable, and I knew everyone there. Going out to Oklahoma, I think I understood even more the importance of staff and people around you and, and things like that. And then going back to Duke, I learned so much. And so there's a lot that I'm going to do different. I think I understand how to run a program better that I did uh, at, at both places, at VCU and Oklahoma. I think I'm a much better coach. Uh, I think I understand hiring a staff and the importance of that and all the support positions within a staff. Um, and so I, I just think I've grown in so many areas. And I think I was a, a pretty successful coach the last time I was a head coach for nine years. And I'm going to use all those experiences, and hopefully we can have even more success. If there's maybe one thing that you could pinpoint from uh, watching Coach K run his program and being around him for so long, if there's maybe one thing you could just take and, and just instill to your program now, what, what, what would it be? It's the importance of fighting. You know, when I got to Duke, I mean, obviously I knew about the history of, of, of the program, especially during the Coach K area from my playing days. Um but you know, going back there as an assistant, you learn even more. You you, you have a different relationship. You, you're you're privy to more information, and you know everyone sees the program now at, at Duke and and what coaches built, and all the players that have played there and the coaches and everyone what they've built. They don't know the fight and the and the and all the things that came like the basis of that program. The foundation is built on fighting and fighting together. Um, and that's what we have to do here. And so I, I would think that's the most important thing that I learned going back. And even when you have success, to continue to fight every day, uh, to show up and fight and to get better. And that's what we're trying to implement here. What advice has Coach K given you regarding uh, getting this ball rolling at Pittsburgh? Um, you know, just to be me, to have energy. You have to be patient. You have to do it brick by brick. You have to lay a great foundation and then build upon that. Um, you know, it's, it's, I mean, obviously I still go to him for advice. He, he's always been a mentor to me. It's, it's amazing to me that at 17 years old, when I made the decision as a, as a junior to, to, uh, decided to go that Duke was going to be where I was going to attend college, you know, to, to right now I'm 43. So you're talking about 26 years over half of my life. 
or almost half of my I mean, it, it's over half of my life. I mean, now that relationship from 17, the friendship that I have with Coach. I mean, I never thought at 17 that the guy that I'm playing for would be a really good friend. And it's been amazing to see how that's evolved. And, and it's something I value, and I'm going to continue to lean on him uh, for advice, for mentorship, for guidance, and, and, and a lot of those things. What's your favorite memory from the time you spent around uh, working working for him? Probably the relationship with the I mean, we had a chance to recruit some great student athletes and those relationships that still last. You know, when I took the job here, there were so many former players and guys that I coached uh, that reached out, that were excited, and I'm coming up this summer and things like that. That that that's always that that, that makes you feel good. Obviously, the 2015 team was probably the most special because it led to a championship and uh, seeing how that team came together, the closeness, the unity, the leadership, the heart and soul of the team was Quinn Cook and seeing how those got, seeing how he led and how much he grew up uh, and being there, being the last team standing with those guys was was the most amazing experience. Outside of the sheer wins and championships in your eyes, and you, you called him the greatest coach ever, uh, what what makes Coach K such a great coach? You know, Evan, I, I've never been around anyone uh, that's as prepared and that is com- at, you know, as competitive. And this is at 71 now, and he still has that edge. I mean, he's still the guy that, that showed up at Duke in 1980, that no one knew his name. Everyone was surprised that he got the job. And you're right in the heart of North Carolina and NC State with Coach Smith and Jim Valvano. And you talk about fight. You have to fight. You have to fight to survive. You have to fight to be relevant right there in your own backyard, in your own state. And you have to fight to compete. And that's what he knows. And even today, after all the success, the the five national championships, the, I don't even know how many. I know it's a bunch of, of, of Final Fours, the five, you know, USA gold medals, championships that he won there, the all-time winner and, you know, the all-time wins, you know, leader. Uh, it, it's that fight and competitiveness is still there, and it's amazing to watch. You know, a, a guy that's 71 that's accomplished so much still have that and still have the energy and the passion to teach and to teach these young guys. It's it's pretty incredible. Jeff, I, I appreciate you taking the time out and jumping on the sidelines podcast. Good luck uh, building your staff. Good luck recruiting, and uh, and, and good luck next season. I appreciate it, Evan. This is Sean Miller. The Arizona Wildcats for the first time in 13 years win the Pac-12 tournament. When you're listening to the sidelines with Evan Daniels. Now let's welcome in Florida Gulf Coast's new head basketball coach, Michael Fly. Michael, how are you, man? Welcome to the podcast. I'm doing good, Evan. I appreciate you having me on today. Of course, of course. Last Thursday you were named the new and next head coach at Florida Gulf Coast. How uh, how gratifying was it? considering you helped build that program as an assistant for so many years. How gratifying was it uh, the moment you found out that the job was yours? Well, it's just a special and unique situation. I mean, when you've been somewhere seven years and you've learned under two really good head coaches and and Andy Enfield and the success we had here with him, and then Joe Dooley, who people don't always realize this because there wasn't a Sweet 16 involved, but the players that Coach Dooley brought in here and the repeated success we had winning a conference championship whether it be regular season or postseason in every year he was here but one um, it was just a, a unique 
special situation to, to kind of be able to step into that next leadership role of what, you know, we consider a, a very good program and a very consistent program. What have the last five days been like for you since you uh, since you took over the reins and, and now that you're sliding over a, a chair on the bench? What have those last five days been like? You know, it's been a lot of fun. You know, you think about it your whole career. When I get into that situation, what will that be like? What will I do? You know, I've had a lot of people ask me, is it pressure filled? You know, how, do, how are you dealing with it? And I've told everybody it's not pressure. You know, it's, it's what I've prepared for for, I think, 12 or 13 years now. I just don't have enough hours in the day to call everybody. You know, it's, it's been a lot of fun getting on the court with our guys. Um, we've done some unconventional things, you know, starting to telling guys that we had practice and then canceling and having a team lunch that they weren't expecting. Um, I've got a speaker coming in to talk to him tomorrow. You know, we're going to do some of the things that we did under Coach Dooley because we were so successful, but we're going to change some things style of play-wise as well. So talking to them about that and, and showing them some film. So, it's been a, a lot going on, but also a, a heck of a lot of fun for the last few days. Michael, how do you change your voice with this group? You know, because obviously it's different when you go from, from being an assistant coach to these players to the head coach for these players. Yeah, I think that's an interesting transition. You know, I, I did the press conference the other day at 2.30. I met with the team at 2 o'clock. Um, they had not been told before that, and obviously it was a quick turnaround with Coach Dooley letting them know the day before that he was going to go to East Carolina. So even from the first moment that I was announced, you know, I tried to change my, my tone with them, tried to change, you know, the perception of, like you said, assistant coach versus head coach. You know, we talked a lot about continuing to build a culture. Um, we talked a lot about accountability. Uh, I was very complimentary of Coach Dooley and the job he did there. I mean, he's a close friend, a mentor, somebody that I'll lean on the rest of my career. That being said, you know, I think you have to coach your team in a, in a way that fits your personality. So, you know, I told them, I said, there will be some changes and not just basketball wise, but the way we do things. But um, a lot of it was just letting them know, you know, yes, you've known me as an assistant coach. That's going to be different as a head coach. But I think, you know, the most important thing is every guy in that room knows that I care about them not just as a basketball player, but as a, as a person and a, and a human being. And I think when guys know that you love them, you care about them, and you're concerned about their development off the floor as much as you are on the floor, I think they'll respect you, they listen to you, and, and they'll follow you. You're replacing a guy in Joe Dooley that you worked for for five seasons. What's the best memory you have working for uh, Joe Dooley? I think just the consistent work ethic and the, the enjoyment of the process of the game of basketball, you know, coming out of Florida State with Coach Hamilton, you know, obviously there was a massive uh, focus in recruiting and relationships. And, and we always talked about, you know, the next group. And that was really what I thought about. Even even when I was a video coordinator was, man, I can't wait to recruit, recruit, recruit. And, you know, with Coach Enfield, to be honest with you, it was such a, a short window here. It was my first time as an assistant. You know, I was really just kind of learning how to do my job as an assistant coach, to be totally frank. So with Coach Dooley, you know, he really taught me to enjoy practice, to enjoy breaking down film, you know, to learn as much as I could, um, the technical aspects of the game. You know, you can't always be on the road. You can't always be recruiting. I mean, I, I like to do that. You know, that, that kind of comes naturally to me. But it was with him, you know, hey – 
let's enjoy practice. Let's really get after it. You know, every day is, is a battle in a good way, in a competitive way. And that was, that was always his biggest thing is, you know, we're not always going to make shots. It's not always going to be pretty, but nobody is ever going to play harder than us. Nobody's ever going to be tougher than us and nobody's ever going to outcompete us. Now, prior to working for uh, Joe Dooley, you worked for now USC head coach Andy Enfield. Uh, how would you compare those two guys and, and how they uh, how they coach coach guys and and how their style of plays differ? You know, I think they're both phenomenal people. Um, I lean on both of them a ton. You know, Coach Enfield and I talk quite often. Coach Dooley and I obviously I'll continue to lean on him for a long time. Um, I think it was a great lesson for me and. There's a lot of ways to do things, a lot of different ways to be successful. And, you know, with Coach Enfield, when he was here, it was, it was, uh, he's a laid back guy, if you know him at all. Um, he's a very creative thinker. Uh, he gives guys a lot of freedom. Um, we, you know, we had rules on the court. You had to take good shots. You had to play hard. You had to defend. Um, but there was a lot of creativity and, and that type of, type of thing as far as a, a basketball coach. And then, as a person, you know, if you know Coach Enfield at all, I mean, he's, again, laid back. Sometimes you wouldn't even know he's a basketball coach, you know, if you, if you didn't know him very well. Um, we were very successful with him. And then I was so lucky, you know, when Coach Dooley came to, to kind of get into Coach Self's tree and to learn how they did things. And, and, again, we had a big emphasis on toughness, on competition, on, on making sure that, that every detail was important. Um, you know, Coach Dooley, our scouting reports were, were unbelievable. We were extremely prepared all the time. Um, and he talked about all the time the process and that it's not easy anywhere, whether you're at Florida Gulf Coast or you're at Kansas. So it was a great opportunity for both of those guys, you know, personally, professionally, for me to work under two guys that are very different, um, but that are such good coaches, good people. Um, you know, that I've been able to pattern my own thoughts and philosophies after. Outside of those two guys, who, who's who been the guy or, or the person that you lean on the most or, or that's had the biggest impact on your career? Besides Coach Dooley and Coach Enfield, Coach Hamilton is like a father figure to me. Um, you know, we've talked a lot since this has happened. We talk a lot all the time. Um, he's a guy that, you know, I, I came into his program at, I believe, 24, 25 years old. Um, you know, obviously he helped me get my first assistant coaching job with Coach Enfield. Uh, he's just a guy that he seems to know, you know, the right thing to say, do, react, because he's been in the game for such a long time and, and been so successful. And um, he, he's also, you know, the first one that, that taught me, you know, you can know all the X's and O's, you can do all the best job recruiting, you've got to treat people the right way. And, you know, he always, that was something he always, you know, I leaned on with him, have taken from him. You treat people the right way, um, you do the right thing, and, and good things happen for you. Now, I think you have a unique story, Michael. You started your coaching career as an assistant coach at Georgetown College, which is an NAIA school. What, what did you learn from that process and, and starting there? I was really lucky, Evan. You know my story personally from us both being Kentucky guys, you know. I joked at my press conference, it was very tough for me to, to learn probably about my sophomore, junior year that I wasn't going to play in the NBA, I wasn't going to play <laughs> in Kentucky. Um, you know, tough, tough realization, but sometimes that happens. And, and also realize that, hey, it's not that easy to be involved at 
with Kentucky basketball. You know, you have to know somebody. You have to be in early. So I was really fortunate to work at the NAI level at Georgetown College for Coach Happy Osborne um, when I was also a student at UK. So I was driving 20 minutes to go to Georgetown to go to practices. You know, that level, obviously, there's not the same resources that you have in Division One, And so I was doing, you know, a little bit of everything. You know, Coach would let me – basically whatever needed doing I was doing, whether it was practice planning, whether it was doing the mail-out program, um, whatever, driving him around, you know, going to games at that level, you can do some different things. So, you know, it was a great uh, educational experience for me on just doing what it takes. And it doesn't matter, you know, whether it's a big task, small task, you people have to be able to count on you to, uh, to get the job done. The other unique thing you did was you went and spent a season as a video coordinator uh, in the NBA uh, before going to Florida State. What was that experience like for you uh, working in video and uh, for an NBA team? That was such a valuable experience. You know, I, I tell young guys all the time, not that I'm that old, <laughs> but I tell you're guys getting there getting into it all the time. <laughs> yeah, I am getting there. I'm reminded of that every day. Um, you know, I tell guys all the time, though, sometimes you need to try different things. You know, sometimes you think you know what you want to do. And I thought originally I wanted to coach college basketball. And then, you know, I realized how hard that can be sometimes and how hard it is to get in. And then I thought, well, maybe I want to intern my way into the NBA. And I tried that. And I had a great experience with Coach Bickerstaff and his staff in Charlotte and, and Carl Hicks, who's now at Florida State. We had an unbelievable staff, Kenny Eggman Williamson, who's now passed away, unfortunately. But it was a great uh, education for me at that age. But I realized also quickly that, you know what, that path at that level, you know, as far as, you know, I was probably on track to someday hopefully become an assistant GM, advanced scout, and hopefully a GM at some point. It just wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. Um, and, and I actually went and tried. I went and interned at the NCAA in business and, and kind of check that scene out for myself too. So it was a it was an unbelievable learning experience in the game of basketball from an X and O standpoint to be around professional players. But I also kind of trial and errored my way into realizing that you know what I love being on a college campus. I love having relationships with college players. Um, the college basketball for a working environment is just a better fit for my personality than the NBA. But that year was so valuable for me, and it actually set me up, you know, for the rest of my career. It allowed me to to go and work with Coach Hamilton. He was looking for a guy that could do video work, could do scouting, had NBA experience. So without that year, I don't end up at Florida State and don't end up at Florida Gulf Coast. Well, now that you are the head coach at Florida Gulf Coast, uh, how do you foresee your team uh, playing? What, What kind of style do you want to instill in this group? Yeah, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, we obviously want to keep our our toughness and competitiveness, and we were a really good defensive team by the numbers under Coach Dooley. That's something that I don't ever want to lose. Um, you know, we're going to change some things, and I, I've joked with some guys. I don't want to give too many hints and uh, too many notes for the my fellow coaches in the Atlantic Sun, but, you know, we're going to talk a lot about, about spacing. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about guys playing with confidence and, and with freedom and having an attack mentality. 
uh, we're going to do some things creative defensively, you know, whether it be in the full court, you know, playing a little zone, which we haven't done a lot traditionally. But, you know, my biggest thing is I've talked about since I, I got the job and we've been on the court is that you've got to have confidence in yourself to be able to go make plays when you're on the basketball court. And if we're going to put you in space and I'm going to give you the freedom to be able to do that, you've got to work on your game enough that when we throw the ball to you, you can go make a play. So a lot of it, you know, for me and, and everybody's got a coach to their personality has been trying to instill in them a confidence that you can go and attack the rim. You can go and do this. You know, you've got to believe that you can do it for you to be able to pull it off in the game. No question. Michael, before I let you go, I want to make sure uh, or I want to tell a story. You kind of alluded to it. And, and for disclosure, in the basketball world, I've been fortunate enough to, to meet and build uh, a lot of relationships with people across the sport. But in Michael's case, uh, we actually met when I was 18 years old before either of us were involved in basketball. actually lived with two of my best friends from high school. So when I went to visit those guys that were going to school at Kentucky, I would sleep on uh, – on there and Michael Fly's uh, couch, and then I would go give him buckets in the Johnson Center. So it's a pretty small world, right? <laughs> I, I think you, you did give me buckets. I think you could definitely give me buckets right now. I think my <laughs> knees and, and the age has caught up with me a little bit. But, you know, I think it's a great example, Evan, of, you know, I tell guys this all the time, you just never know where people are going to end up. And again, getting back to just treating people the right way and, and trying to be good to people, like I talked about with Coach Hamilton. I mean, the guys that I've been fortunate enough to cross paths with and work with, I mean, you know, there's guys that work in the NBA now that work in, in business that, you know, you're a great example. I mean, there we were two kids trying to figure out what we were going to do. And, and, you know, I'd like to think both, both of us have been pretty successful to this point. So, uh, it's funny how things like that turn out, and, and I think it's a great example, too, of, you know, if you if you know you want to do something, and with you it was scouting and, and broadcasting and journalism, and with me getting into coaching, you know, you, you can't take it all on at once. I mean, you don't become a head coach. You don't, you don't become what you've done in your career by figuring it all out on day one. I think you just have to consistently work, uh, consistently treat people the right way, and, and hopefully you're as fortunate as, as you and I have been. Yeah, I think you uh, I think you nailed it. Michael, before I, I, I let you go, if you weren't coaching, what would you be doing with your basketball career? You know, I I, I heard I, – I listened to your podcast quite a bit. I can't remember <laughs> what was it Coach Boyton said that he was going to do. I think he was going to run a morgue or something. I think what you said, Coach Wright was going to be a barista. Um, I should have known. I've done my homework so well. I should have known that, uh, that uh, this question was coming. Um, what I would probably say is, is I would, if I was not coaching, a big thing for me is, is helping other guys and their careers and trying to, trying to help figure out, you know, where they would go and, and how they would fit. And it's funny, I actually had somebody pitch this to me the other day. Um, I'm, I might be a, a, a search firm guy that would look to, to try to help guys that were in coaching and, and try to, move into different positions and especially to be honest with you at the mid-major level where I think sometimes guys aren't sure you know what the next step is and where to go so that that's probably not as good an answer as the uh, <laughs> as the morgue or the barista but I, I think I might I think I might become a guy that tried to help people you know get to where they wanted to in their careers awesome well uh, I'm, I'm very happy for you and in, uh, in this next step in your career and uh, good luck this season and, and good luck on the recruiting trail this summer at uh, at FGCU so thanks for taking the time out
Thanks so much, Evan. I appreciate it. We'd like to once again thank Pittsburgh head coach Jeff Capel and Florida Gulf Coast head coach Michael Fly for taking the time out and jumping on the, the Sidelines podcast. Enjoyed both of those conversations. Before I let you guys go, I want to make sure that you are supporting the Sidelines podcast. And the best way you can do that is to go to Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. Hit the subscribe button, leave a rating and a review. You can also shoot me a note over on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Evan Daniels. Would love to know what you think about the podcast. Thanks for listening and have a great week.